0: This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmaurice, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC.
1: Hello, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Poetry in Motion with me, Neil Fitz. Uh, how are you? I hope you're well, and I hope you're you're getting by through this football drought. Uh, of course, that is the uh, the close season, waiting for the preseason to start. Uh, it is agonising time, isn't it, for us, let's be honest with you. When there's no football on, you have to talk to your missus and everything. It's it's really difficult. Um, I hope you're well, whatever you're doing. Thank you for listening once again to uh, to uh, all of these uh, Blood Red uh, podcasts. Under the umbrella, of course, of Blood Red. We've got Ali LaRouge as well, the lads. hope you're all well. And um, whatever you're doing, uh, keep safe and enjoy uh, this podcast. Hopefully, I'm joined by Pat Smith. How are you, Pat?
2: Very, very good. As you said there, the barren period of football is... Slightly better, we've got some Wimbledon and some cricket, but the best news is the transfer window opening today, because that really is the sign of the season starting for me, fits isn't
1: it? It really is, mate. We've done a bit of business, of course, already, whether we do any more or not, is down to Liverpool and the cloak and dagger that they work under now, which is great again. As an old fan of Liverpool, you never knew who we were signing until you read it in the papers, and then we went through a weird period. Theo Squires is with us as well, didn't we, Theo? That... um we suddenly sort of started hearing our names tossed around with every player going, and, and it wasn't like Liverpool. But now we've gone back to those days of of sort of your phone pinging and going, "Oh right, we signed Jota," or you know, uh, names like that. And then we've we've done a bit of business, likely to be any more in this in this window. Do you think, mate?
0: Uh, sorry to disappoint you, but as it stands, it's it's not looking like it. So as well as uh, Pat getting excited about the transfer window opening, it's pretty much already done for Liverpool, isn't it? Like the club are saying. That's it for the three signings. Um, maybe if, I don't know, an elite midfielder comes up who they desperately want, they'll make an opportunistic move for them. We saw them move six months early for Diaz. But as it stands, it is what it is. But then that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like it's easy to be envious when you look at Tottenham signing Basuma, Richarlison, uh, Chelsea being linked with basically every forward going from Rafinha to Neymar. Arsenal have done some good business, United going for De Jong. Um, well, that just means it's all rather busy for them still and it's not all together on the pitch. We're still back in pre-season on Monday. The squad's already there. Um, is that a step advantage for them? They can already put it all together for the season ahead. Uh, let's take the positives, even though it doesn't mean we're going to be looking enviously the next couple of months elsewhere.
1: Well, you're right. And, of course, it is. It, it, you know, you, can, you can't foresee these things. We've got three new players coming, of, of course, Calvin Ramsey. Uh, fabio cavallo and uh, darwin nunez they're very expensive darwin nunez but hopefully they're very very good darwin nunez um very much done and dusted the way liverpool like to do it pat do you think that um there are Liverpool fans out there perhaps who think that they haven't done enough they, they should have strengthened in midfield or is this simply a case where they've filled the boxes that they've emptied and they're very very happy with the squad they've got and, and why bother doing any more business
2: I mean, that's the thing. I think the fan base is sort of torn on this and me, myself, I'm torn on this. (laughs) I've done many podcasts talking about transfers and signings and, you know, I come out of some thinking, yeah, we definitely need more cover in midfield. And I come out of the others thinking, oh, well, actually, you know, we've got nine midfield options, which probably will be enough. You know, we didn't see that much of Harvey Elliott last season. Brilliant start, sort of got, well, his whole season got derailed, basically, unfortunately, by that horrific injury, which was a real shame because he had such a promising start. So hopefully we can see Harvey Elliott do something like that again and of course Fabio Carvalho coming into the fold is really really excited I think because he will play as a midfielder but for now I think while we have the 433 I don't think Klopp is going to potentially sway away from that formation so it's really exciting to see him Curtis Jones as well to mention a few he had a not quite a season last season but this could be a breakthrough year for him my only concern is though we've got Nabi Keita and Alex Oxlade chairman both running out of contract and you know were they both to leave in the same window let's say next summer that would be a big problem then trying to sign two replacements for those so I think it might potentially be worth getting a midfielder in now just so you can bed them in because you know you look at most of the when they come to Liverpool I think that's the case for most players that sign for Liverpool they struggle to adapt to Klopp's formation and style it takes time to adapt to the Premier League as well but particularly in the midfield especially coming from slower leagues the prime example being Fabinho playing for Monaco and Ligue 1 plenty of time on the ball you know sort of slow on the turn Really got caught out in the first couple of months, but now look like, at him absolute machine. So, yeah, I would personally love to see a sign, not necessarily a starting, you know, marquee signing midfield at Bellingham's the dream. I don't think that's the case. Someone of the like of Basuma, who's just gone to Spurs. I think someone of that ilk would be good. Just, you know, rotation's not going to hurt us. We can use five subs in all competitions, and there's pretty much two games every week until the World Cup in November. So, we're going to need the numbers, I think.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right, and Theo, you just mentioned them. It, uh, it, it's odd because all last season, Liverpool were, were were on and off linked with within strong interest for Basuma, um, a very strong player. Always played well against uh, against Liverpool when he played for Brighton, and for 25 million, that seems like a bit of a catch, doesn't it? For Spurs, who are doing good business, you can see close season, no doubt about it, uh, with Richarlison, as you mentioned, Basuma, um, and uh, Perisic as well on a free, Pat was saying as well. Um, so, is that one that might have slipped through the net or is Liverpool perhaps just weren't that interested in mean, him, and a lot of it was kind of smoke and mirrors?
0: Uh, I think it's one where there was interest in him previously, but Liverpool work two, three windows in advance. So, they draw up the the list, uh, the short list, the long list, look at players who could be of interest and then they already know what midfielder they'd ideally get next year. The same as the forwards, they, they knew they wanted... Diaz. They knew they wanted Nunes. Like Julian Ward was tasked with revamping the attack in 2022. You have to say on the face of it, he's done quite well. When yes, the Sadio Mane, but three in, three out. If you include Diaz, that's done. Now midfield's for next. Uh, Pesuma, Yeah, there was interest last year, and he's available 25 million. I think that was with his contract expiring next year. Uh, maybe a few off-field issues as well there. But then there's likes of Rafinha as well. We know Liverpool have been interested in him. There have been links to him. But when they become available, if Liverpool aren't moving for them, there is a reason for that. And that is because there must be someone else. If you're saying, here's Basuma, there's 25 million, and Liverpool aren't even entering the conversation, they've got someone else in mind. Like we saw when Spurs were going for Diaz, they negotiated the price down for Liverpool, and they go, oh, we're not having that. We'll go for him now and then. They got him in January. Uh, just means that Suma wasn't the player they settled on in the end. They would have gone for a midfielder this summer. They held talks with uh, sure many, realised he wanted to go to Real Madrid, so step back there. Uh, it's very easy to go 2 plus 2 equals 4 and go Jude Bellingham, but we, we don't know whether that's going to materialise into anything. Um, just wait and see. They will have their targets in mind. And I will say it's still very logical. Like The fact that the task this year was revamp that attack, you can't do your attack in midfield in the same summer. And Liverpool, look at these options they've got now. They've got um, eight senior players. They've got Tyler Morton there. And they'll get another year out of Henderson at, l- at least. Same for Thiago, with them being the wrong side of 30. They're not going to slow down just yet. Uh, Milner, get another year out of him. He did well back in the last season. Looks like Cato will get a new contract. or He'll get offered one anyway. Oxley chamberlain might go. They've got enough there to then make that transition next summer. Um Yeah, it's just this gradual soft launch of the next generation of Klopp's Liverpool. Uh, On paper, they're doing a good job, but that'll be judged on the pitch. Last year, went for four trophies. They'll need to maybe go one better and make it a treble at least this year to prove that they would make the right decisions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Nicola Barella as well, Nicola Barella as well, well was also mentioned, wasn't he, at one point, the Inter Milan uh, midfielder. Of the three going, of course, Sadio Mane is a huge loss, Pat, isn't he? I mean, he's... I've always said he's like kind of two players in one. You've got he, he was strong, strong in so many departments. Uh, it, 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 irreplaceable, uh, is, is maybe too strong a word, but very, very, certainly very, very hard to replace. Um, just because of his work ethic and stuff like that. Obviously, Origi, uh, you know, legend in such a, such a small, small period of time, really just shows the impact that he's had both at the club and with the fans as well. But, um, can Miramino find himself a little bit unlucky that he's been? Packed off. I mean, he's one of those players, isn't he? That I think that Liverpool fans took him to their hearts. He, he seems like a really, really genuinely nice guy. And the times when he came on the pitch, he never, he didn't really let us down, did he? Provided goals last season, of course, in the cups, in the cup journeys. Um, do you think he was always going to go because we spent so little on him that there was always going to be a profit in him, or is there something, Pat? And I'll ask you as well, Theo, as well, for your opinion on this. Is there something in Miramino that they just... Thought was better, and then when they got him, didn't think. I mean, obviously, we have to remember as well. He went to Southampton and, and couldn't on loan, and couldn't really get a place there after a couple of games. So, what was that fundamental thing you think with Harvey Elliott still being there, Curtis Jones? Obviously, there are midfielders there that the people have said, no, nope, we're keeping all of you. But Tacky just sort of the door was was never really closed on him, was it? It was always left open for other things to happen, and it just seems to me that he just didn't just didn't fit into the plan in the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those signings. I think the sale on him is take the money and run, to be honest, because he's not really been that successful. We're trying to do a top five Minamino Liverpool moments or top five Anfield moments. I think the best one was his goal against Liverpool for Salzburg, actually, when you think about that. And that's probably the reason why he was brought in on that game alone. Tenacious, quick, you know, great goal. Seems to take his chance as well. Seemed the ideal Jurgen Klopp player, but yeah, it just never really worked out for him, unfortunately. But that said, I think he scored like 10 or so goals last season in the Cups, you know, some big goals and big games as well. So he's clearly got that in the locker, but I mean, he's never really going to be taking that seriously as an option, but that's my main concern. There's lots of talk about the midfield switching from a three to a two, the lack of numbers there. And I think that's basically impossible because we now don't have the numbers in attack. You know, I think if anything, you should be reducing the number of attacking players, perhaps even switching to a four four two 2 in some games, which I know will never happen, but Yeah, losing three big names, I think that's arguably the area that needs someone brought in more than midfield, especially with the loss of Minamina, because I don't think it was, you know, plenty of talk about it, but I don't think it was that expected, to be honest, at the start of this transfer, and I think he was probably one of the ones you would have kept hold of just for the sake of rotation, because now it's looking like the backup wingers are going to be Harvey Elliott and Carvalho, who probably both want to play on that number eight role. So yeah, I'm not entirely convinced about the South him being a good one, but it's money at the end of the day, and if we invest it in a better player, then...
0: So be it. What what your take is there? Um, I reckon part of it would have been Minamino's choice. I, he's had two and a half seasons where he's not been first choice, and it's letting him go to go and play elsewhere. Like you look at the options they've got, he's behind them all in the pecking order, and he knows he's not going to get that game time. I, I feel like maybe it was the the right signing at the wrong time. Like we've seen Liverpool do their business with the Red Bull group before. But these players, they've had that middle ground, haven't they? So the ones they've got from Leipzig, or they've played in the Bundesliga, rather than just coming straight from Austria. Mane, he went to France, and then he had uh, Southampton. So they've had that middle step before they can go straight into that Liverpool starting eleven. Whereas Minamino, it's one where maybe if he'd had these last two and a half years, spends half of it at Leipzig, and then goes to a team lower Premier League, he, he steps on that little bit more. And you're looking at him and go, oh, he maybe could even be who they'd want for a Sadio Mane replacement. But at the same time, it was an opportunistic signing. He, he was signed to be this rotation option. They felt that it was a, a £25 million player. They were getting for £7 million because of that release clause in his contract. And you're not signing that sort of player to go into your starting eleven. Like at the time, Mane, Salah, Firmino were untouchable. Um, he, he came in and he did the job that was expected of him. Um, Then they signed Jota, they signed Diaz. They've broken up the starting uh, front three. Minamino never took that step. It's just how would you look at him? Was he signed to break into that front three and were they expecting a bit more? Or was he just an attacking reserve option, like the same as we'd seen with Origi? It it was a very hard job for him to come in and break up a front three that had been for two, three years. Just breaking all these records and untouchable. And he was coming to a club mid-season when they were unbeaten forever long on the verge of winning the Premier League title. Champions of Europe, champions of the world. Then you have the pandemic. They didn't have a full pre-season. There's all many, so many excuses for why it didn't quite work for Minamino. But if you look at him as a, a budget squad player who scored goals in the domestic cups, he did what they needed from him. And now it's like, John, you've, you've had your two and a half years. You can go go and start for a team that's potentially going to be challenging to get into Europe. Go and do a job, go, good job there. Goes with their blessing. Um, and are Liverpool short. It, it depends how they set up because I don't think Carvalho will play out wide. I think he'll be more central, won't he? Whether it's in a four-two-three-one or as like a backup to Nunes or even as a number eight because uh, he's only played like a couple of times on the wing in his career altogether. Most of his time at Fulham, other was number 10 with a few games as the eight and one or two up front. But they've still got Diaz. They know he can play on the right um, if they need him to. They know Jota can play all the way across the three. Look, Kay Gordon, if he takes the next step, Harvey Elliott's there. I'd much rather give those youngsters opportunities when you've got five substitutions. Like if you want to bring some off the bench to change a game, you're not turning to Minamino. You turn into Firmino. You turn into Jota. And then, if you win in a game and you've got these subs left, you turn to your kids. Minamino was always the fall guy there, same as Origi, uh, Probably the right time for him to go. He did what he needed. He's got us uh, two domestic cups. Let's see what he can do with Monaco. But then Cavallo's there to hopefully fill that void, get the goals in domestic cups, get the odd sub appearance. And when he's so promising, so versatile at 19 years old, Liverpool in a stronger place. Poetry, in motion on the blood red channel.
1: Yeah, well, Theo mentioned him well, Let's talk a little bit about Cavallo and what part do you think he offers Liverpool as a player? Do you think, and if you were to, if you were to compare him to a player, uh, past and present um, at Liverpool, who, who do you think? Because a lot of people have been mentioning him in the, in the same uh, breath as Coutinho, hasn't he? In that, in that way of being able to drop a shoulder and move forward, uh, receive the ball outside the box, bring it in, uh, create chances, take chances. Sounds like a bit of an all-round package and and something that we could be quite excited
2: about. Oh, yeah, absolutely brilliant player. Really, really exciting side. I think the main thing, you know, we're talking about Minamino then, he's actually 27, you know. People don't realise how old he actually is and Carvalho at 19 has got so much time to grow and Klopp can just form him into the player that he wants him to be. Yeah, really, really exciting for Fulham. Their main man of sorts. Uh, Playing in a number 10 role, which, you know, we don't have a number 10 role in Liverpool, so it would be interesting to see whether he ends up as... I think he'll probably start in the midfield, to be honest, as a number eight, sort of pushing more forward, like we saw Harvey towards the start of last season, a bit of a free role in midfield. But I think Klopp will inevitably form him into a false nine. I think he's going to be the Firmino replacement long-term, or I hope he is, because he's got the skill set to do so. I think Coutinho probably is a very, very good shout for that sort of player. Um, perhaps not the skill-out-wise. He's definitely more of a central player. That's where he's been best for Fulham. And, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm really excited to see what, what happens him this season. I think it's a really, really good signing and let's hope he's as good as he is in the Premier League as he is in the Championship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> obviously, a lot of the times that hasn't worked and sometimes it has worked. We, we have to, as we always do as Liverpool fans, have total faith in in the um, the backroom staff and, and Jurgen Klopp's judgment because he hasn't let us down yet. Has he? And he seems like, as I've always said in the past, you can YouTube a, a selection of Titus Bramble moments that makes him look like a good player. So, uh, Anyone's kind of show can be made to look fantastic, but he certainly seems to have the to tools to be able to be an impact player, and uh, and fingers crossed on that. Theo uh, Calvin Ramsey's brought in. Obviously, um, Liverpool have, have rejected a bid by Knox Forest for for Nico Williams. Nico Williams seems to have a great season last season, but clearly isn't figuring in Liverpool's plans anymore. I don't think Calvin Ramsey's come in. He's a young kid, young Scottish kid. What do we know about him as a uh, as a potential um, you know cover for uh, for for Trent?
0: Uh, well, I think the club looked at him and they saw him as this ideal young player who can play the way they want their full to play. He had his breakthrough year in Scotland for Aberdeen last year and he got a load of assists. And when you listen to his first interview, he did with the club, uh, there's so many similarities to Trent when he was coming through, like right from originally being a midfielder to just the fact that he loves to get forward, link up with his winner, winger, get crosses in or cut inside and shoot. Um He's young enough to be at the club long enough to count as homegrown, even though he's come from Scotland. And he's actually, like, ticking boxes. Like, obviously, they've got a bit more uh, faith in him to go straight into the, the first-team squad than they did with, say, Connor Bradley. Last year, he's gone out on loan to Bolton. And it's just the start of the cycle again when he's so young and he's had this good season with That's It's um, given him three, four years to be this reserve to Trent, hopefully to have a similar team. In fact, we are seeing Simicast on the other flank and then see if he can really push him. But realistically, we know the time's going to come where he'll probably have to, if he's not taking his place, move on. But four years, five years, whatever you get out of him, it's a good understudy to have. Seemed to have a, a good head on his shoulders. I know he came out and said he doesn't really like doing interviews, but he came across really well when speaking to the club. And he looks an exciting prospect. I know the club were delighted to get hold of him. Um, it's just one where it was... In the squad last season, the one position where they lacked that natural replacement. Yet they let Nico Williams go on loan in January, but everywhere else they had two players who could, proven players who could play positions. And while they had Milner and Gomez, they're not right backs, really, are they? They've got their preferred positions elsewhere. So now that's that whole field. Uh, squad wise, they're exactly the same numbers as they were for the second half of last season now, with them just taking off one forward to get this um, backup right back. So. Yeah, it's all coming together. Um, for Nico Williams, it's quite telling that the wording seemed to change from the club before Ramsey was signed compared to afterwards. It was like, oh, we'll be happy to keep him if an offer's not coming. And then they get the right-back and he's like, yeah, it's time for him to move on. He's a great player. Um, if Trent Alexander didn't Arnold didn't exist, he'd probably be first choice for Liverpool. He's just come through into the team at the worst possible time for him. But he's sure he's going to go and have a good career, uh, play at the World Cup for Wales in the winter hopefully being in the Premier League this year, whether it's a Forest or a Fulham, we'll see um, more good business. It's like we're saying there with um, Carvalho, Minamino, eight-year difference there. Nico Williams isn't like 26 or 27 by any rate. He's still early 20s, but it's that gradual transition for you're a fringe player, go and play elsewhere, go and be first choice elsewhere, and we'll start that cycle again with another young player ready to take the spot if it's there.
1: Yeah, and also, Pat, they go with they go with all the goodwill of Liverpool fans, don't you? Because at the end of the day, as you said, footballers deserve to play football. And if they are in a club where they just happen to be in a squad where there's very little chance of them breaking through, as with Taki as well, let them go on and have a career and, and, and enjoy their career. And, and and they go with the blessing, don't you? Because... They're there on the bench when we need them, it must be very, very frustrating for players, young players like that, who just can't get it going. And, and in this Liverpool side, when I mean, we're talking about Cavallo and we're talking about um Sands like that, and, and the Elliots, let's be honest with you, Klopp's probably going to start with Thiago Henderson, um, and, and Fabinho, isn't he? And 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 then the others are going to gradually drift in, so they deserve. To go to other clubs and have a career because uh, because you know that's what they have signed up to play football for. So they go without a blessing, don't they? Do you think Pat, one of the big decisions that's happened close season that it that will that will um, have a positive effect on Liverpool is the five subs? Uh, just because we could feel, couldn't we, towards the end of last season, Liverpool were in still hunting for everything. I just feel with some of the games there that there was a little bit of tiredness and legs, like, and, and rightly so. I mean, they played so many games, over sixty matches. In a season. And this five changes uh could will give an opportunity to, to rest legs during games and 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 hopefully push on a longer season.
2: Yes, an absolutely massive decision. Finally, logic has prevailed after years. We had Andros Townsend. I saw an article in the echo of the day talking to Talksport and he was going on about oh Jurgen Klopp's moaned and finally got his way. Um well your manager Frank Lampard also really pushed for five subs previously, so he sort of shot himself in the foot there, but yeah. Massive Liverpool because we saw, especially towards the end of the season, you know, you got players playing 40, 50, sometimes 60 matches in a season. No wonder the legs went towards the end of the season, particularly with Fabinho, because he's the one that sort of got, you know, rinsed and repeated in every single game the Paul had. But five subs is absolutely crucial. And, you know, you've got other fans and other players, managers just complaining about it, saying, oh, it's going to really delay the game. Well, no, you can still make them in three periods in the match. It has to be a two, a two, and a one, or, you know, any. Sort of way you want to use that combination but yeah for liverpool i think it's really really important and we've got the depth you know we had it last season it's frustrating when you've got champions league matches when let's say you know we go to up, we can afford to rotate and bring on you know three fresh legs but six fresh legs in midfield it would be the fact we could do that in the league now as well especially if we've got matches wrapped up i think it's really good for liverpool but i think it's really good for the game as well because we're going to see more of top quality players because no, you've seen lots of clubs are now signing quality depth. You look at and going to Spurs today. Is he a guaranteed starter? Probably not. But he's going to get a lot of game time because you can use five subs in all comps now. And that's what I think is the best thing to come out of this. We're going to see a lot more quality players you know, playing more often, which is good. Perhaps a shame that we've seen Minamino and Origi go, actually, because this would have been the year that they probably would have had even more game time, especially in the league. So, yeah, I'm still going back to that point. I think we probably need... Another attacker just for the sake that we've got the use of five subs and pretty much two matches every week to the World Cup, as I said before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And talking about Andrews Townsend, if he play for Liverpool, he needs seven subs and he still wouldn't get on. Um it is interesting though, isn't it? The preseason uh, is um uh, the preseason youth has started, hasn't it, Theo?
0: Yeah, the, the kids were back uh, this week. Um one or two aren't because they're with the England under-19s in that final today. Um, But the majority of the youth are back this week. And that's how Liverpool like to do things. I think Pep Linders spoke quite early last season about it, how um, he goes down, watches them all, and then basically cherry-picks who he wants for the first team after getting on the phone to Jurgen Klopp and having those conversations. It's how um, Cade Gordon got his call-up last summer. He did really well in this first week. Um, Owen Beck, Connor Bradley and Tyler Morton got call-ups off the back of it as well. So um, whoever, whichever kids get the step call up and we see in the next few weeks, it will partly be on the basis of what they do this week um, to finally convince uh, Linders and the rest of the Liverpool management team. Obviously, it'll be whatever they've done last year as well. But those three, I think, he he name-dropped back in January. It was Luke Chambers, uh, Bacetic and um, Clark as players he'd hoped would be with the first team. pre-season, just so they can get that experience, see them in a couple of friendlies, uh, learn off the likes of Milner, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Henderson, uh, Salah. And it's just that next step, isn't it? Because you want to see youngsters make that step up. You want to see them in the first team. Liverpool have always had that doorway open. Um, But yeah, the big business um, Monday, first team are back, or the first load of them are back. I think a couple might still be off for a few days with internationals. But it's first pre-season friendly. It's not far off now, a couple of weeks away. It's against United, isn't it? Um, finally, start the season. It's almost there. We can almost smell it. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Yeah, well, I'll give you them now, actually. We'll give you the five. There's five matches including the Community Shield, of course, that wonderful tournament that means so much to everyone. Um, so, uh, game number one, Tuesday, July the 12th. Uh, it's, you know, two weeks in it, uh, less than uh, a two p.m. kick in Bangkok. Uh, playing Manchester United. Um, second game is Crystal Palace, July the fifteenth in Singapore, hopping around Asia there. Uh, and then they go to Leipzig in Germany to play RB Leipzig, twenty first of July. Uh, and then they've got they go over to Austria to play Salzburg, twenty uh, seventh of July, and then of course the fifth is the um, Community Shield. Um, at the King Power Stadium in Leicester for some bizarre reason. Um when we ask for them kind of when we ask for them kind of uh, venues for, for semi-finals, we've got to go to Wembley, but apparently it's alright <laughs> to play the community shield in Leicester. Uh, that's against Man City, of course, on the 30th. So we've got the twelfth, the fifteenth, the twenty-first, the twenty-seventh, and thirtieth of July. Are those five matches? missed time? one Fitzy. What have I missed?
0: Strasbourg at Anfield the day after the community shield.
1: Oh, of course, there's six then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I wasn't in my five there, was six. Um, so that's time anyway, isn't it, mate? To get these, like you say, mess around, tinker about with with new faces and, and younger players. And yeah, it's an interesting one, Pat, is it? Because it, that then this now goes back to formation, isn't it? With the acquisition of uh, of Nunez, I think we've got someone there who whose first instinct won't be to look up and try and find Salah, he's going to be trying to find the back of the net himself. I think if Diaz uh, had any kind of tiny little, um, uh, critique about his performances last season was that he's more often than not looked up for someone than, than take on a shot himself, didn't he? And, and I think that's obviously finding his feet in the side and finding his confidence in the team. But I think if if we imagine he's going to play the three, he doesn't like playing twos, I don't think Klopp does he, if he's going to play the three across the front, it's probably going to be Jota who's going to be sitting, keeping the bench warm for most of it. But with five subs, I would imagine everyone's going to get a game. But if you see Nunes as a central role there, with Diaz on the left and Salah on the right, could that be the formation, do you think, that will free up Salah? That will give defenders something else to worry about rather than Salah? Because I think part of Salah's problem is that he takes two or three defenders with him, doesn't he? And it's very hard for him to be expressive and to do the stuff that he does when there's three people biting their heels. Whereas with Nunes now, they've got a different threat. Liverpool have their own threat, which will hopefully kind of unshackle Salah a bit, you think, Pat?
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we saw Mane play in that position last season. He was our best player in the second half of the season, playing in that role for the middle... And I think a large part of that was because Salah is often marked by two, sometimes three players, and it allows the space. And yet, brilliant, brilliant bringing Nunes in. I think Diaz as well. Yes, he didn't score as many goals as he could have last season. He is a bit tentative. He's still betting in. I think he's a a 30-goal-a-season player waiting to happen. You can just tell the quality he's got. The best player I've, I've seen for a very long time at beating men, he just gets us so far at the pitch and taking players on, you know, he's impossible to tackle at times. And his shooting technique, actually, I think is very good. He's just been a bit unlucky this season. A lot of narrow misses. I remember the FA Cup finally had about three shots that just missed the top corner. So, I think he's one that's going to burst onto it. But I think it says a lot when we're in a position where we've got a player, who had, I think Jota had 29 goals or goal contributions last season. You know, you put a player with nearly 30 goal contributions on the bench, you know, your attack's going to be good, isn't it? And Nunes as well. He's not only the threat in behind that's going to worry defenders that we've had before with Mane, he's got the physical threat as well because we put a lot of crosses into the box and you know they're going to have to be worried about him getting in behind and winning headers we've seen it you know big goals in the champions league i think he knocked out ajax with a header you know brilliant goal in amsterdam but also he can bring salah into play with that as well because a lot of times the ball's played into salah's feet from behind him from the midfield or Trent from defenders running in behind whereas now we might have a chance where Nunes is actually going to play the ball back to salah's feet which is probably when he's in his best position really attacking the goal salah isn't it? you know bit of time one touch, bang, finish, far post, you know, that's the moment we want to see. And hopefully Nunes
0: can bring out the best game in him. There's comparisons to when he was at uh, Roma, isn't it, for Salah? Because that's where he played with Ed and Dzeko, yeah. and they had a, a great partnership, and that's the form that got Liverpool to sign Salah in the first place. Uh, with Diaz, it's, um, he missed a few one-on-ones as well, but it's still remarkable to think he got a 20 goal season too, if you include what he did at Porto. So there's obviously a goal scorer in there, and it takes time to bed in. Like, not every player is going to come in and do 44 goals off the bat. Like, you remember Luis Suarez? He I think, only got like five, didn't he, in his first half season? Now, I'm not going to say that Diaz within 18 months is going to be putting in Suarez performances, but it is this gradual bedding. in, And it does, it's another bow in the pool's arrow, isn't it? It's not just get it to the winger and get them to get you the goals. Like, we saw how dangerous Jota was in the air, getting in between men. And he's quite short, isn't he? So it became a point where defenders were looking for and able to take out that option. But now you've got Nunes, who's just going to bully them, get on the end of everything. It's another way Liverpool can score goals. They've got three really good attacking options who you could get, or four potentially, you can get over 20 goals here. And then you've still got Carvalho. You've still got Firmino. Don't write him off, of course. So we don't know if he'll be a number 10 or uh, be the central striker as an option this year. It's allowed to be a bit more selfish last year, wasn't it? And the way they're setting up this year, it could aid him there as well. Um you might have lost 10 goals from Minamino, but they've got five players here who you know, get at least 10 goals with a couple of them pushing for 30.
1: It is exciting. And I think, I, think, I did mention this before, but I think the Nunes was exactly the kind of signing Liverpool had to do to um, to counter the signing of, of we all knew Haaland was going to City. We all knew this, this absolute guff about being a £52 million sign. And it's absolute nonsense. It's near to £190 million, and let's be honest about it. Um, but we had to, and, and it wasn't just a knee-jerk, that's the beauty of this. This isn't a this isn't a Harry Maguire knee-jerk reaction to a, a Van Dijk sign, is it? This is someone who we've watched for quite a while, who performed brilliantly against us in both legs uh, in the uh, Champions League, and is someone who's a very, very exciting player and someone who's popping up and emerging as one of the the big strikers in European football now. So, uh, it wasn't... So, it was the kind of... I think it was exactly the kind of say, uh, sign that Liverpool needed to so just make sure that the fans don't go, well, you know, they've signed Haaland now, City. So, this season was the last chance we're ever going to get to be on the coattails. We have a very, very, very strong squad. You look at how Chelsea have just been depleted, uh, as you mentioned, Pat, as well, and, and uh, Rudiger and Rudiger and and They're going to have a very... I mean, they were tipped with the signing of Romelu Lukaku to win the league last season. Look how that turned out. So, I think the signing of Nunes was, was a very, very important one at a very good time for Liverpool and and um, and just what we needed to, to feel like we're going to take on City again.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lukaku signing's probably got to be one of the worst in Premier League history if we're going down that route. The predictions from last season were hilarious. Which one, United or Chelsea? Both. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the weird thing. He's so bad for United. I don't know why Chelsea would Spend 100 million on a player who previously was that bad in the league, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've all become accustomed to now trusting the Liverpool transfer team, they sort of know what they're doing, don't they? <laughs> so, I think Nunes is one that's yeah, a very, very smart signing. You know, 22 year old, 23 year old kid, I think he has six goals in 10 Champions League games last season is remarkable for one of the top strikers in Europe, let alone someone playing for Benfica, who were, you know, he pretty much dragged them to the quarterfinals the last 16 quarterfinals to put Liverpool in. Can't be, yeah, you know. Brilliant player, big goal in Amsterdam to beat Ajax, big goal at home to beat Barcelona in the group stage, two goals against Liverpool in the knockout stages. I think he had 26 goals in 20 Portuguese league matches. You know, there's people saying that, oh, Haaland's playing in a harder league in the Bundesliga. I'm not convinced now that the Bundesliga is that much better than the, league, the Portuguese league. Obviously, you've got Bayern who are head and shoulders above, but for the rest of the top Bundesliga teams, I think you'd probably have a tougher match against sporting, Benfica or Porto compared to, let's say, a... Gladbach back or a leipzig or you know dortmund who rangers beat let's not forget <laughs> so yeah i think it'll be interesting to see the main thing with Nunes, hopefully so far he's got no sign of having any injury problems whereas harland obviously the big question mark over him is his fitness because he's had a lot of issues for a very you know young career so far It'd be really interested to see if he can stay fit especially in a system such as cities where he's going to be pressing a lot more running a lot more let's see if his legs can hold out
1: Yes, indeed. Well, we got there, guys. We got to to a a proper podcast length and it was really, really enjoyable. Very, very exciting as well. I think the message to be had is just, yet again, faith in the business that Liverpool do. They know exactly what to do. And as Theo said, they are two or three windows ahead. They know exactly what they want. They know exactly who they want and they get the job done. Um, Spurs have made some interesting signs, so they could be a team to watch, although they will... Undoubtedly spares it towards the end of the season, will be. But very interesting. Uh, We have uh, the pre season starting again. I'll give you an update July the 12th, July the 15th, July the 21st, 27th, 30th. And then the 31st is the next day, isn't it, Theo? Yes. Yes. Brilliant, guys! Thank you very much. Lots to be positive about. Lots to look forward about. Uh, lo- lots to look forward to. Uh, Theo Squires and Pat Smith from the Liverpool Echo. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, you can be, you can get in touch with them as well at Pat Smith Sport and at Theo Squires Echo. And I'm Fitzy Fella. Only nice stuff, please. Don't insult me. I get enough of that off me. Uh, listen. Thanks very much, guys. And I'll see you all again soon. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion
0: podcast on the Blood Red channel.